morning, everyone. Please stand. Giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity, giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your worth. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. Because I'm alive in you, and it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ colored me and resisted man's life. Jesus, I'm
It's all because of Jesus. Amen. Anybody else excited today? It's good. Just not me then. That sounds good to hear. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so here's the exciting thing about today. If you're a visitor, I don't know who you are because everybody looks new to me. So, uh, so man, I'm so excited to be here. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, it's been uh, a crazy month and a half, uh, but we are, we are really, really excited to be here. If you're a visitor, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Again, I don't know who you are, so do me a huge favor on your way out. Just please say, hey, Pastor, I'm a visitor. Uh, I want to be able to shake your hand and, and extend a, a special welcome to you. If this is your first time with us, this is the first time I'm doing this, so if I forget something, please forgive me. Take your bulletin out and uh, rip off that tab there. Fill that out for us, please. Put it in uh, the offering plate because we want to know who you are. Uh, again, thank you for being here. Take a moment. Welcome those around you, please. What's up, man? How you doing? All right, if you may return to your seats. I don't know about you, but I love this time. You can be seated. You can, we're going to change things up just a little bit. First Sunday, we're not just change it up just a little bit, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I love this time of the year for many reasons. One is I love Christmas songs, and it's, uh, it's time to do that. So we're going to sing some Christmas songs uh, throughout the month of December. But I also love this time of the year because it is a time for us to focus in on international missions. Uh, this is the week of prayer for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So just a couple resources for you to be aware of out there on the welcome desk is a, a pamphlet, 2019 week of prayer. Pick one of those up. Pick up an envelope. Uh, what I've always done in, in my ministry um, as we take up this offering for missions throughout the month of December is I like to challenge you to take an envelope home, to put it somewhere you can see it, and to spend the next week, two weeks, however long the Lord leads you in prayer as to how the Lord would have you to give to support missions, which is the lifeblood, I think, of Southern Baptists and what we do is telling others about Jesus. So with that in mind, check out this video.
now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort. Together. If you please stand again. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sin. Jesus Messiah is Lord of all. His body the bread, His blood the wine, broken and poured out, all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil
special music that we just sang. Listen to this. So um, today, today we're going to talk to you a little bit about about hope. You know, do you know anybody named Hope? Anybody? Do you? Who, who do you know named Hope? She rides your bus. Okay. Anybody else? You know somebody named Hope? Okay. Did you know somebody named Hope? Brooklyn Hope. Do you know anybody named Hope? Okay, yeah, I know somebody named Hope. She's right there. Um, you know somebody named Hope? God? Hey, we can, we have our, our hope in God. That's right. So, listen, um, Brooklyn, I'm going to talk about Brooklyn for just a minute, just a minute. So her name is Brooklyn Hope, and we, and we took that name Brooklyn. Uh, we kind of tricked everybody. Everybody thought, well, you're just going to name your child something out of the Bible, right? And so, because uh, the, the first three were, but we took Brooklyn from Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden. Brooklyn really means city or village, and so we want our prayer for Brooklyn is that she will be like a city on the hill, showing hope to the world through Jesus Christ. Did you know all that? You'll figure it out. All right. So this look, but but really, hope is something that a lot of people don't have. Now you hope that we do something with these bows right here, right? You hope that you get to do something with these bows. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I hope that you hope that we get to use these bows here because these bows represent something. This is our time of our, we've already mentioned, Pastor Aaron's mentioned, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Can you say that? Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Yeah, we'll keep working on it. All right, so each of these bows represents $250, okay? Our goal for the church is $6,000. And for every $250 that we raise, we're going to place a bow best to pay attention to Micah and Isabella. They're going to come and talk to us about hope uh, today as we light our Advent candles. So um, this is what I really need you to do is to focus in on those two right there. They won't get nervous, but you just look at them and uh, pay real close attention to what they have to say, okay?
and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We are going to talk about hope this morning, and it is my hope that you pay more attention to me than my son Malachi did to BJ. Because this was his first time doing anything like this, and I don't know if he heard one word. I was afraid the tree was going to come falling down for a second there. Um, so Luke chapter 1, please remain standing in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're actually going to look at verses 5 through 25, but I'm just going to read the first three verses right now. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. You may be seated. There's a phrase that you have probably heard of that I use about the same time every year, and that phrase is, hope springs eternal. Anybody heard of that phrase? Hope springs eternal. I was born um, in Lexington, Kentucky, and then shortly after that moved to north of Cincinnati in a town called Westchester, Ohio, and that is where I was raised. Because I was raised north of Cincinnati, I became, through my grandfather's love, I became a Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals fan. And if you know anything about sports, you know the misery that I have endured. Um, so every year around the end of March, beginning of April, you know it's baseball time. And in 40 years of my life, the Cincinnati Reds have made the playoffs six times in 40 years. They won the World Series once since I was alive. All the good years were before I was born. But So every year, even though I know they're probably not going to be good, I'll text my brother or I'll just think myself, hope springs eternal. Right? It's this idea, no matter the odds, we can still find a reason to hope, even in the bleakest of situations. And so on opening day, I'm excited, and about one inning in, I realize, yeah, we're going to stink again this year, right? And hope goes out the window. The wishing is gone. Wishing. Is wishing hope, though? Because a lot of people today, I think when they talk about hope, for them it's an uncertainty. I hope. I hope I'll get that job. I hope I get that promotion. I hope that girl that I've asked three times to marry me will finally say yes, right? We're wishing against all odds. We're hoping, but we're not sure. I hope the doctor says I don't have cancer. But is that hope? Hope in the scripture is not wishful thinking. Hope in the scripture, listen, is a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation. And so many times when we're hoping, our hope can be tied to waiting. We say, I'm hoping for this. What we really mean is I'm waiting for this thing. I'm waiting for something to happen. In our text this morning, we see hope. We see hope burst onto the scene, a hope that will forever change our lives. But before we jump into the scripture, let me say one more thing about hope, and this is important. Your hope can never be anchored in that which you're waiting for. 
unless you're waiting for Jesus, in which that case, that's where your hope is to be anchored. Your hope has to be anchored in something far greater than I'm hoping or wishing this thing comes to be. And so where our hope needs to be this Christmas season and every day of our life is in the promises and the certainty of God's Word. That's where our hope has to be. So this morning I want to take you and I want to fix your eyes once again upon Jesus Christ. His coming, His death, His resurrection, and His return. Let us find our hope there. So we read verse 5, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So we're introduced to this man by the name of Zechariah, and you notice he comes from a line of priests. He comes from the division of Abijah. It said he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was what? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And so we know we've got this couple, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, both of them coming from the line of priests. Then we come to verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. We talked in the Sunday school class this morning that I attended. Uh, what would you want people to say about you at a funeral? Well, if they say verse 6, that's pretty good. Elizabeth and Zechariah are described, look at this, as righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, man, this couple must have had everything. Like here we are 2,000 years later, and how do we describe them? They walked blameless, righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They must have had everything. And then you read verse 7. But they had no what? Child. Let me just remind you, I, I like for you to participate. So if I ask you a question, just throw the answer out. If it's wrong, it's okay. We won't, we won't judge you. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty hopeless to me. They had no child, which would have been so important in that day to have a child. They had no child, and they were advanced in years. That's the nice way of saying they were old. Like they were beyond what you and I would think was a normal age to have children. That seems to me a hopeless situation if what you wanted more than anything was a child. And they didn't have one. So we continue reading verse 8. Now while he was serving, this is Zechariah, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now we've heard this story maybe every year of your life if you grew up in church, and it's very easy to skip over some things, but don't skip over this. We know Zechariah was a priest. Uh, historians tell us there were around 18,000 priests in Zechariah's day, right? 18,000. Those 18,000 men were divided into 24 divisions. So those of you who are good at math, that equals out to about 750 priests per division. It says that, that he was of the division of Abijah. He is on duty. So what happened is your division twice a year was selected to serve at the temple. So we don't know if this was Zachariah's first or second stint on duty, but he was here. 
you only served twice a year. And when you served, only one priest was selected to do what Zechariah is about to do. Now do the math. One year, only two of the 750 are chosen from your division. After the second year, only four of the 750 have been chosen. Not everyone got to do what Zechariah is about to do. You had to be chosen. You were selected. And listen, once you were chosen, once you went into the temple, you never got chosen again. It was a one-time deal in your life. And so don't think this is some random happenstance that on this day, at this particular time, Zechariah is selected. It's the sovereignty of God that gets Zechariah inside the temple where something is about to happen. It's a big deal. So we come to verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. I think every time in Scripture, when someone sees an angel, they have the same response. Fear. I have never seen an angel. I don't think I want to see an angel. But if I do, I will probably too be afraid. Why? Why is the natural response for all of them to be afraid? My best guess is that each of them, when they see an angel of God, are immediately confronted with two things. Number one, the greatness of God and their own sinfulness. Remember Isaiah, when he encounters the glory of the Lord, how does he respond? Woe is me. He has just got a glimpse of the greatness of God. He is aware of his own sinfulness, and so the typical response is to be afraid. So he is terrified. And then we read verse 13. Here's good news. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Did you hear what the angel said? Your prayer has been what? Heard. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. That's wonderful, isn't it? His prayer had been heard, but I can't help but think this isn't probably the only time Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed to have a child. And I wonder, I wonder if they, as I probably would have done, wrestled with God. Why haven't you blessed us yet with a child God, I have prayed over and over and over. Have you not heard? I wonder how many nights Elizabeth went to bed struggling with the idea that there was no life in her, that there may never be life in her, that she was barren. I wonder, did they doubt God at times? Did they question? Did they wrestle with the hopelessness of having a child? You see, in our text, God answers them. But had they wrestled with the fact that they maybe thought God had not answered them. And so I was thinking this week, as I was thinking this week about hope and hopelessness, sometimes we feel hopeless. And I think one of those times when we feel hopeless is when we feel like God is not answering our prayers. Hopelessness of unanswered prayers. So if you're taking notes, if you're trying to follow along, the hopelessness of unanswered prayers. If you're honest with yourself this morning, maybe you came in here feeling a little hopeless. Because there is something you have been praying for. 
something you have prayed for over and over. Maybe it's an unsaved spouse. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's an illness and you've been praying for healing. Maybe you've prayed for something specific about this church and, and God hasn't answered. And the temptation for all of us to think is this. Well, God didn't answer, so the answer must be no. Listen, your prayers are not rejected just because God's answers are delayed. Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayer had been answered long before this angel says, hey, your prayers have been answered. God had been working. You see, he may not come when you want him, but God is always on time, amen? He's always on time. He may not answer the way we want, but his way is always best. I remember years ago wrestling with this in my own heart. God had blessed us with Landon, um, and we had tried to have other kids, and it was to no avail, and then God began to put adoption in our hearts, and God led us to the place where, hey, I'm calling you to adopt. We were on board. It took me a little while to get there, but we were on board, and it's like, this is a good desire, Lord. We want to adopt. Why have you not just been opening the door? Look, there are kids everywhere that need a family. Why have you not provided that yet for us? And I remember sitting in my living room, the living room table, just beginning to weep as I began to listen to a song. And these words were in that song. It said, God is working in our waiting. Maybe you're waiting for something. Hear me. God is working in the midst of your waiting. So do not give up. Do not stop praying for that unsaved spouse. Don't stop praying for that wayward child. Don't stop praying uh, for that adoption or for a child or whatever it may be. If God is leading you to pray, don't stop. Don't give up because God hasn't answered the way you want him to. I love this. It says, you will have a child and you shall name him what? John. John means God is gracious. I just love that. They have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and on the most unexpected of days, while Zachariah's in there doing the temple duties, the angel shows up and just says, Hey, man, you're going to have a child, and you're going to call him John, which means God is gracious. Church, it is far too easy for you and I to view God's character through the lens of our situation. What I mean by that is you're in the midst of a situation. So often you want to see God, but you want to look through that situation. Cancer, lost my job, my marriage is falling apart. And so through the lens of that situation, you think God doesn't love you, doesn't care about you, has abandoned you. That is not how we look at this. Church, you and I must look at our situation always through the character of God always through the promises of God's word. You go there first before you try to assess where you are. God never promises that our seasons of waiting will end by receiving exactly what we want. And let us be reminded of that this Christmas season. There may be something you want and you are hoping for and wishing for, and it may not end with you getting that thing. But what I have learned is God's ways are always better than so we have to trust in him. And I love the psalm that says we have strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow.
So maybe you walked in feeling a little hopeless because of some prayers that were unanswered. Listen, I want you to see Christ. I want you to see the promise of his word. I want you to cling to him and keep trusting, keep believing. We continue the story in verse 14. It says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So here's the angel coming to Zechariah, and he says, Look, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. And look what he says. He will be great before the Lord. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Zechariah, John will be great in the world's eyes. He doesn't say that. John, as you study John, he was a different dude. John preached where? Not in the synagogues, not where the peoples were. He preached out in the wilderness. John had a diet that consisted of eating locusts and wild honey. If you invite me to your home and you serve me locusts, I'm going to think you're a little odd. I'm just being honest, right? This is different. John was ridiculed. He was questioned. He was hated. and He was eventually beheaded. And yet, he was great before the Lord. I think sometimes in our lives we feel hopeless because we feel obscure we feel like no one knows who I am so maybe you walked in here this morning and you're feeling a little unsettled a little insecure maybe you think hey my spouse know me doesn't acknowledge me the way that I think I should or hey my kids are ungrateful and and they think I'm insignificant and they don't care about me or maybe you came in thinking your ministry here in Northside is insignificant maybe you want more kids to teach or you want more people in your Sunday school class or you think man I'm not up here nobody knows me I'm serving behind the scenes and you feel obscure maybe you feel like you have no friends Maybe you just feel alone, like nobody knows your name. And what you want is to be known. What you want is to be popular, right? Students, maybe you struggle with that. You want to be the cool kid. You want to be known. But hear me, church. What your peers think of you is not nearly so important as what the Lord thinks of you. My mom used to always tell me, you bloom wherever the Lord plants you. It doesn't matter if three people hear you preach or a million people hear you preach. You do what God is calling you to do. Your hope and my hope this morning is not in what others think of you or in your position or in your title, but it is knowing that you are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. and He delights in you. And you can serve Him wherever you are. And church... Serve him where you are. Are you serving him? Are you willing to say, look, Lord, I'm in. I just want to be great in your eyes. I want to be faithful. I want to be obedient. So I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be faithful wherever you are. I'd be lying if I said I'd never wrestled with that. But serving in, in obscurity and 
people know me and the Lord has just brought me to the place where I can honestly say it didn't matter if I pastored three people or a thousand people I don't I don't I don't care about that are you there can you say that Lord I just want to be faithful wherever I am and the third thing I want to point out as we continue to look at our verses is that sometimes and I think this one is the most important one sometimes we feel hopeless because of our sin because of our lostness look what happens here and Zechariah said to the angel verse 18 how shall I know this look at this for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years read that again Zechariah was a smart man you notice what he says I'm old my wife is just advanced in years that, that's wisdom right there right he's she's not old she's just advanced it's more a graceful way of saying that and the angel answered him I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place look at this because you did not believe my words I mean, can you really fault him been waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm well well beyond this I can't get my wife pregnant that's impossible and so he doubts and the people were waiting for Zachariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple and when he came out he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute and when, the, when his time of service was ended he went to his home Zachariah remind let me remind you who was righteous before God walk blamelessly doubts the Lord doubts the angel he does not believe and so what Zachariah needed more than anything is what you and I need every day and that is forgiveness he needed to be forgiven specifically for his unbelief he didn't believe the Word of God now before you and I pile on old Zachariah let us first see our own sin let me ask you a question what was Zachariah's greatest need it wasn't a son named John it was the forgiveness of his sins that would come from another son named Jesus Christ see John would be great in the Lord but it's John who's ultimately the forerunner for Christ the Messiah it's John who could have said, wait a minute, Jesus is going to take away from my followers. Jesus is going to mess up this good thing that I've got going on. But what does John say? He says, he must increase, I must decrease. And when he sees Jesus coming, he says what? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the one who takes away the sins of the world. If you keep looking in chapter 1 of Luke, you go down to verse 76 and 77. This is Zechariah's prophecy. He says in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Look at this. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Through Jesus Christ, Zechariah can declare what you and I can declare. 
that we can be forgiven, free, and never forsaken, but only through Jesus. And church, that is our hope. That's our hope. So maybe this morning you came in here with sin that you need to repent of. Maybe you came in here lost. You've never believed in Jesus, never trusted in Jesus, never gave your life to Jesus. You need to be forgiven of the same thing that Zachariah needed to be forgiven of. Unbelief. Believing in Jesus. You drop down verse 24. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You know what verse 24 and 25 tells us? That God's word and promise always comes true. When God promises something, it comes true. The last month and a half, as uh, my mind has been all over the place, it's, it's been a whirlwind. I've tried to listen just to a lot of, of Christian music, just to try to fill my mind with, with, with the word of God. And I came across a song um, called Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. Love these words. The verse 1 says, Christ the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn in the suffering and the sorrow when my sinking hopes are few I will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be Church, here's the reality for us this Christmas season, this Advent season. The season of waiting as we wait for the first coming of Christ, as we celebrate that, as we now wait for the second coming of Christ. See, here's the reality. You and I cannot place our hope in any one person or one thing here on this earth. Why? Because everything in your life can be taken from you in a second. In a second. Your house, job, your spouse, your kids, everything. In a millisecond, everything that your hope is in, everything you've been trusting in, everything you've been resting in, everything you've been relying upon in a second can be taken from you except one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. I love the line here. It says, Christ is sure and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief. Hopeless, somehow, O oh my soul, now lift your eyes to Calvary. This my ballast of assurance, see his love forever proved, I will hold fast to the anchor. It will never be removed that's hope that's hope you can keep living with this mentality of well I'm wishing for this I'm waiting for this I'm hoping this may come true or this morning as you enter into the season of Advent you can leave here knowing I have a hope that is sure and steady and it is in Jesus Christ and it can never be removed look we live in tumultuous times I think we could say here at the end of 2019, a lot of uncertainty surrounding us. And the world may try to take a lot of things from you. And maybe they've successfully done that for a lot of you. 
Well, there's one thing this world, no matter how hard they try, cannot take from you. And that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So do you know Jesus this morning? If he is not Lord and Savior of your life, then in just a moment you're going to have an opportunity to respond. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to be here at the front. The altar is open. If you don't know Jesus, if you're feeling uh, uh, hopeless in your sin, in your lostness, give your life to Jesus this morning. Come to Christ and be saved. Maybe you feel hopeless because the Lord isn't working the way you think he should. Maybe you just need to come and just give yourself to the Lord, rededicate yourself to the Lord, come and pray and say, Lord, look, I keep trying to do this my way and it blows up in my face. So I'm trusting in you. I'm resting in you. Church, you can have hope if you know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we live in a world of so much uncertainty. Lord, that which we think is constant today, Lord, is completely different tomorrow. Everything changes so quickly in our life. And God, the temptation for us, for me, is to try to keep up with that. Lord, in the process, we lose our mind. We lose our joy. And we misplace our hope. We try to place that in the things of this world. So, Lord, as, as we begin a new chapter in the life of this church, Lord, as we begin this new journey together, may each of us just be reminded today that our hope is in Christ. It is not in a pastor. It's not in a deacon. It's not in a staff member. It's not in somebody that we love and respect them. It's not in a spouse. It's not in a child. It's not in a job. It's not in our future. Our hope is in Christ. May we not misplace that hope. And if we have misplaced that hope, then the good news of Christ's coming is there is forgiveness through the Lamb of God that gave his life, shed his blood. May we look to Calvary and may we see the forgiveness in the blood of Jesus that washes all our sins. You are a good God, worthy of all of our life, of all of our praise. So may we give that to you as we once again put our hope in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing uh, the song. It will appear on the screen. I'll be here at the front as the Spirit of God moves and leads you. You respond this morning.
decision to follow Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe the Lord was working in your heart and, and you're feeling hopeless and maybe you just didn't want to come forward in front of all these people. Uh, please know, reach out to myself, reach out to a staff, somebody that you know, and just say, hey, I need some prayer. I need some help. As part of the church family, amen, we come alongside of, of one another. And we love to say we're always up here filled with hope and there's never those dark times in our lives, but we just know that's not the case. And so I want you to know that, that we love you. Again, we're thankful that you're here with us. Um, please read the bulletin. You probably know more of what's going on than I do, so I'm really relying on the bulletin. But one thing I want to make note of is there is a meeting today at 430 for all of those who are interested in going on a mission trip to the great state of Kentucky. Uh, so that's if you don't, that's my hometown is where we're from. So, uh, so be here at 4:30 for that. I want to encourage you if you've never gone on a mission trip, if you got questions, be here at 4:30. That's where that's where you need to be. Uh, Brother Bill is going to come close us in prayer. He is our deacon of the week. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.